It is the breakfast show here on Faith FM, and we are about to get into our show for the day, which means we're about to have a quiz. We've got a bunch of text messages that we need to get into, and we're going to be looking at what you had to say about the first half of the show. Lawson, before we do, we have another question for our quiz, mm-hmm. remembering that the quiz only goes to Thursday this week. Yes. We don't have a, we're not getting into the show today. We're already into the show, Lyle. We're getting into the show. Into the second half of the, the show. Second into half the second half of the Bible show. Study. We just hit 8.04 a.m. It's sunny outside. It's beautiful. All right. Let's have our next question for the quiz. Name the person whom God used to restore Saul's sight in Damascus. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you'll go into the running to win food. Food as medicine and a taste as food, a taste of food as medicine by Sue Rad. Epic, amazing cookbooks getting into foods that can just heal you, make your life better. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. And that clue was name the person whom God used to restore Saul's sight in Damascus. Get another entry in and you will be, have higher chances of winning the quiz. And as Lyle said, uh, we will not be doing the quiz on Friday. We'll have a special show that day. So it will be drawn on Thursday. So get ready. Okay, great stuff. Uh, this is what you had to say about the first half of the show. This one comes through from Braden. Praise the Lord for the church's witness on the children. So this was the story about the church in Sudan where the leaders have been arrested because the neighbor could hear the hymns and his children were starting to sing the hymns. Yeah. Uh, Let's all pray that persecution of church members does not discourage them. Mm. Uh, Let me see here. That's about all we've got this morning. Everyone's a bit quiet. I think maybe some people have been sleeping in this morning. Mm. Maybe that's time to wake up. We've got another question. We've got another text message that's about to come through. Uh, Producer Shell tells me it will. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Where did it go? (laughs) My kids' names were chosen. Okay, wait, wait. My kids' names were chosen for how it sounded and looked mainly. Uh, the oldest son, Flynn, means son of the red-headed one, and I'm a redhead. Mm. But we did try and choose the names that can't be shortened. So Ryder is the other son's name. So that one's uh, coming through from Braden. We were talking about names earlier, of course, during the interview. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and the meanings of names in the Bible. It seems in the Bible people always put a lot of weight in the names that they chose for their children, and at times people got changes of names when they had changes of character. Name had a lot to do with character. So some very important people in the Bible, such as you know Abraham and Isaac, uh, Abraham and Jacob, I should say, whose names changed. Mm. Sarah, her name changed. A mm. bunch of people whose names changed. The Bible says that we will get a new name one day. I really don't want a new name. I Too bad. Li- I says love my name. Lawson is the most epic name ever. And you know what would make him more epic? Well, because people are like, oh, what does Lawson actually mean? And I'm like, it means the son of the law. You know, it's just like some like justice thing. But actually, it means son of Lawrence. So Lawson is just son of Lawrence. But Lawson is usually a last name, but now it's first name, and it's the greatest thing ever. Like, I, I will stake my claim at having one of the best names ever come, come up with. You're going to get a new name. It's what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 2. That's a bummer. Promise to the overcomer. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe there is a way of avoiding it. That. That's just not being an overcomer, and then you won't get a new name. But oh, that would, be, uh, <laughs> I, that would not be that would not be desirable. I don't want to 
do that. Yeah. I think you'll be happy with your new name. I think so too. Yes. I, I hope it's cooler than Lawson because Lawson's such a great name. I just saw this thing pop up here on my screen and I thought this is just absolutely awesome. So I'm going to share it with you all. This mm. is from Darren Pratt. And of course, Darren is uh, our local expert on children. He's got a new job these days, so we don't see as much of Darren as what we used to. But mm. he makes this statement here. Uh, which bears repeating, he says, our children came to see Jesus mm. and we handed them a smartphone. Yikes. Think about that mm. next time you go to church for, for families with kids. So true. Think about that. Mm. Your children come to church to see Jesus and what do you do? Mm. Ooh, let the truth cut. I, I like it. Mm. All right, let's go to, uh, where are we heading? Where are we heading? We're heading to our Bible study. Let's Genesis 44. Genesis 44. Okay, this is going to be epic because everything is coming to a conclusion. This is where the story peaks. Mm. This is the climax. We're about to hit the climax of the story. Mm. Go for it, Lawson. Okay, I'm just not sure whether, did we read about how they had... We put- read about how they put the cup... Uh-huh. Into okay, so this is let, let, let's do a bit of a review of where we're up to in the story. Ah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Joseph's brothers have come down. They've brought Benjamin. So Simeon has been released from prison. He's been in prison this whole time, mm-hmm. and they've been shown favor by the prime minister. The prime minister has invited them, them over to his house for a meal and given them a sumptuous banquet. This is mm-hmm. the complete opposite of what they were expecting. They're expecting, you know, and the best case scenario they were expecting was that they would get away with their lives and some grain as well. Yeah. But they're actually being treated really nice. So now they've gone from being accused of being spies and one of them being imprisoned to being in favour of the governor. They're probably thinking this guy's a bit fickle and a little bit scary, but we won't complain about the food that is on our plates right now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, what Joseph has done is he has shown favouritism to Benjamin, given five times as much food. Yes, yes, yes. He's seated them all in the order of their ages, which mm. would mess with their heads a little bit. They're like, how does he know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, particularly because some of them had very, very close ages, seeing as they came from four different mothers. He has uh, shown this favour, and, and then he's just sat back to listen in. Mm. You know, how do they relate to Benjamin? How do they treat Benjamin? He knows that Benjamin is still the favourite. Mm. He knows that Benjamin is still the one who is probably slated to get the birthright because of the what they said last time. Oh, our father will never let Benjamin come down here to Egypt. Mm. He knows that that favoritism is still going on. But have his brothers changed? Yes. Have they been converted? And he sees no evidence of the jealousy that they once had mm. up until. But he needs to be sure. So he gives them now like the ultimate test. That's right. And he places his cup. It's just a cup. Yeah. But he's going to make some wild claims about it. He yep. places his cup in Benjamin's sack of grain and sends them on their way. So it says in chapter 44 and verse 1, when his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to the palace manager, fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry, put each man's money back into his sack, then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack, along with the money for his grain. So then the manager did as Joseph instructed him. The brothers were up at dawn and they sent on their ju- and they were sent on their journey with their loaded donkeys. But when they had gone just a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace man, manager, chase after them and stop them. When you catch them, ask them, why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's cup, which he used 
users to predict the future. What a wicked thing you have done. When the palace manager caught up with the men, he spoke to them as he had been instructed. What are you talking about? The brothers responded. We are your servants. We would never do such a thing. Didn't we return the money we found in our sacks? We brought it back all the way from the land of Canaan? Why would we steal gold and silver from your master's house? If you find his cup in any one of us, let that man die, and all the rest of us, my lord, will be your slave. That's fair, the man replied. But only the one who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go free. They quickly took their sacks from their backs of the donkeys and opened them. The palace manager searched the brother's sacks from the oldest to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh, he has set them up so, so, so badly right here. This would be absolutely devastating for these brothers because they know, they know at this point, They've been set up. Mm. They they suddenly realised that the reason they were invited around for a sumptuous meal was not because they were in favour, but because this guy has something against them and this guy, he just wants to destroy them and he's created a, a an excuse so he can go after them and that this guy has forced them to bring their youngest brother down and now that their youngest brother is there... This guy wants to destroy their youngest brother because he he knows that this will cause the most amount of pain to their father. You know, they just, the, the whole thing would be just so confusing for them, and it's like, why, why is this happening to us? What is going on here? What what does this guy? Why does this guy? Why does the prime minister have such an issue with these twelve men? He's got people coming from all over the world to mm. buy grain. Mm. And everybody's bringing back good reports. All the Canaanites that surround them are bringing back good reports. Yeah, we went down to, we went down to Egypt and we bought grain and we're doing well. Mm. They're all bringing back these and they go down to Egypt and it just, it just goes badly. And the prime minister takes a mindset against them and. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. This mindset ends up with them just going from bad to worse to worse and now they've got the ultimate disaster because they knew how desperate Jacob was not to send Benjamin, how they were nearly facing starvation Mm. rather than send Benjamin Mm. down there. And now Benjamin has been singled out to be a lifelong slave in Egypt, just as they sold their brother to be a lifelong slave in Egypt. Wow, <laughs> that's am- that's heavy. It's so heavy. <laughs> why do you think? Why do you think? Uh, what do you think that Joseph is actually doing here? This is the the one final last test. Well, ultimately, he's saying, "Okay, these guys actively sold me into slavery. Yes, will they let the younger brother do go the same way?" And it's more than that. He hasn't placed them in a situation where they can Mm. because they've been in that situation ever since they arrived in Egypt. Mm. They could have sold him at any point. Mm. Now he's actually given them extra motivation to sell him. Yeah, well. Because they can save their lives. And also it's like how did the cup get in his bag? Oh, yeah, there's all of that. There's all of that as well. But what you see is happening here, okay, he's listened in on their conversation. He has been spying on them. He's trying to figure out, are these changed men, are they converted, Mm. or are they still the same or not? 
okay, so I show Benjamin some favoritism and they don't say anything bad. All right, that's a good sign. But have they really changed? All right. He knows that the birthright is most likely slated for Benjamin. Mm. He knows that the same level of jealousy that caused him to get sold, sold should be put on Benjamin. Mm. And so now he hands them on a platter. Mm. The opportunity to get rid of Benjamin mm. is so easy because all they have to do is go back and say, yeah, Benjamin flogged the guy's cup and so he stayed there as a slave. Yeah, wow. You know, they have the perfect opportunity to get rid of Benjamin, mm. who is the favourite, who is the one who is standing in their way of wealth and success in the future. Mm. They have, it, it's been, and, and not only that, but they can get away scot-free. The, the, the governor's like, no, you guys, you're not guilty. Be on your way, you know. Go do your thing. Yeah, Come back, buy yeah, grain. We, we trust you. We trust you. You didn't collude together. Like yeah, that's yeah. what we know. This it's is Benjamin's this fault. Just like, this he's guy. The guy. Yep. We don't need to, you know. And, and, and so they can not only do they have an an easy out that has been handed to them, where they can just get rid of Benjamin in the easiest possible way, mm. but they can get away with their lives and with their grain. Mm. And they can provide for their families and they can provide for their father. Mm. He's giving them as much motivation as he possibly can to betray their brother, brother Benjamin. Mm. All right, let's, let's see how they respond. Let's see whether these brothers have been converted or not. Let's find out. And many of you, of course, have read the Bible story many times over. I'm hoping that some of you haven't because there's an amazing climax coming up and mm. you're going to love it. Joseph was still at the palace when Judah and his brothers arrived and they fell to the ground before him. What have you done, Joseph demanded? Don't you know that a man like me can predict the future? <laughs> Dude, that's messing with the heads, eh? Oh, totally, totally. He's <laughs> acting like such an Egyptian at this particular point. Of course, he can't predict the future. He knows he can't. Yeah. But he's just messing with these guys. Yeah. And they, I think they would have known, you know, we've been set up. Uh This guy can't predict the future. He's just set us up. Yeah. He's just plain straight evil. Mm. But then it continues on and says, Judah answered, oh, my Lord, what can we say to you? Okay, okay, okay. Who answers? Judah. Why is this significant? As we established yesterday, he was, he the, was the guy. He was the guy. He was the instigator. Mm. He was the one who's like, let's sell Joseph. Mm. And rather than be like, okay, we'll send uh, Benjamin back, they've all gone back, mm. united, all 12 of them, and that's not because they're any kind of significant force when they are united together. <laughs> no. They are 12 dudes in Egypt. Yeah. That's it. They have all gone back. They and you can see you can you can imagine what's going through Joseph's mind at this particular point as they all turn up, and uh, they haven't abandoned their brother, they haven't sold their brother, they haven't given up on their brother. They have all come back, and they are all ready to go into slavery rather than leave their brother there alone. Mm. And Judah, the one who instigated his sale, Judah, the one who came up with the idea, let's sell Joseph into slavery. Mm. He's the one who now takes responsibility and steps forward. Mm. Keep reading. He continues on and he says, How can we explain this to you? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves, all of us, not just our brother who had the cup in his sack. No, Joseph said, I would never do such a thing. Only the man who stole my cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father in peace. 
so he's he's just he's just doubling down and he is repeating what his uh officer had said mm. he is repeat you know the, the, the official that he sent out after them is like okay this you know he didn't get it wrong i'm only i'm o- it's only going to be benjamin mm. only this guy is the one who is going to become my slave mm. and so once again he is offering them their life he is offering them their grain. He is offering them as he's offering them peace. He's offering them everything in exchange for Ben. Mm. He is making it as easy as possible for them to just give up on Benjamin. Mm. He's on. Then Judah stepped forward and said, "Please, my lord, let your servant say just one word to you. Please, do not be angry with me." Even though you're as powerful as Pharaoh himself, my lord. Previously, you asked us, your servants, does your father, uh, do you have a father or a brother? And we responded, yes, my lord. We have a father who is an old man, and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children. And his father loves him very much. And you said to us, bring him here so that I can see him with my own eyes. But we said to you, my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for his father would die. But you told us, unless your younger brother comes with you, you will never see my face again. So we returned to your servant, our father, and told him what you said. Later, when he said, go back again and buy us more food, we replied, we can't go unless we let our youngest brother go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then my father said to us, as you know, my wife had two sons, and one of them went away and never returned. Doubtless he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. I've never seen him since. Now, if you take his brother away from me and any harm comes to him, you will send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. And now, my lord, I cannot go back to my father without the body. Without the boy, sorry. Our father's life is bound up in this boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guaranteed to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear this blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause to my father. It's it's a passionate speech. Mm. It is a powerful and a passionate speech that Judah makes right here. And it illustrates that he is a changed man. Mm. He is motivated by love. Mm. And he is prepared to give his life in exchange for the life of his mm. brother. He is prepared. You know, you've got somebody who in the past was prepared to sell his brother as a slave, and Joseph now sees somebody who's prepared to lay down his life for the one person who is his father's favorite, for the one person who is going to get all of his father's wealth. He doesn't care about that stuff anymore. This is a changed man. This is a converted man mm. right here who is making this speech. Mm. And how does Joseph, I mean, how does Joseph react to this? Oh, we just have like a, a minute left in this section before the song. I don't even want to get into it because I'm just like, I want to read this section through in its entirety because, oh man, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm on the edge of tears right here. This yeah, is incredible. It's, it's, it's powerfully emotional yeah. 
time and it's one of those points that you could you know you could never people have tried to make a movie out of these these stories and it's always been super lame and someone mm. needs to do a decent job of it sometime maybe but it you can never you could never actually truly grasp the level of emotion that Joseph would have been experiencing listening to Judah saying this and also looking out at the faces of his other brothers and knowing that if it wasn't Judah making this speech, any single one of them would make the same speech. Mm. These are changed men. They have come under the power of God. They have Their experience has had such a deep impact on them mm. and the guilt that they have carried has changed them so dramatically that they are in the position where we have made this mistake in the past. We will never make this mistake again. Well, We will die before we make this mistake mm. again. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are into one of the most exciting climaxes to an exciting story found anywhere mm. in the Bible. Before we get back into it, we have another clue for our quiz. Oh, man, I just remembered that that was a whole Lawson thing. is so into this story right now, and he's so moved by the story <laughs> that he is forgetting the quiz. <laughs> I'm forgetting everything. All right. And this is actually a good thing. Yeah. This is how the Bible should affect us. Amen. It should just overshadow everything. Mm. Everything else when we read it. What did Naboth refuse to sell? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. As simple as that. It's easy question. Well, I don't know if it's easy, but it's simple. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You will go into the draw to win a taste of food as medicine, as well as food as medicine. Amazing cookbooks that will enable you to be happy and healthy and eating tasty, nice food. But again, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And that question was, what did Naboth refuse to sell? Okay, coming through the text message here, uh, Raphael says, I have four brothers, and interestingly enough, only two of us whose name end in E-L, Raphael and Michael, Mm. or Michael, are the only two two who are Christian believers. Oh, wow. Coincidence? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe what? Maybe your name has an impact on the trajectory of your life. Mm. I don't know. I sometimes wonder about... People whose name who are named after someone who historically has is well known to have been evil, mm. and some of those names have become popular in recent times, and they're, they're nice names. Mm. It's just they're great names. But does that does the fact that they have a namesake in the distant past who was evil does it have an effect on a person's life? We need to name more women Dorcas, I reckon, because Dorcas was an epic chick from the New Testament. What Tabitha? Well, nah, Dorcas. <laughs> Tabitha's a knife name. Uh, yeah, but Dorcas is, is better. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask my friend Tabitha this question right mm-hmm. here. Um, but either of the, yeah, same woman, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Wondering. Yeah, the, Dorcas, Tabitha, same person. All right, let's, okay, let's get back into the story. So I don't find Lawson anywhere in the Bible. Just, yeah, just, I know, but it's still there. a great name. Uh, okay, so Judah's given this speech. Yes. He's like, there is no way that we will leave this place unless we take our brother. We cannot give him up. That's right. We can't do it. And if we can't leave with him, we'll become slaves too. Yep. That That's it. Like, that, we can't leave. Joseph could not stand it any longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers, 
when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and the word quickly carried to the Pharaoh's palace. He's been holding this back for a long time. Yeah, we've seen it. Like, over the last couple of chapters, like, he talks to them and then starts crying. We has to duck out. Yeah. This time he doesn't duck out. You just, he's just like, how, like, we're talking about, you know, kind of fickle before. How confused would you be if you're the brothers? You're like, wait, what? Like, like... He, he, this is the guy who's driving the hard bargain. And he's weeping now. Like, weeping. Like, crying. Like, really weeping. Not just, like, welling up. Yeah. He is sobbing. Yeah. You, you would be just so incredibly confused. It's like you've gone from, you know, the hardest, nastiest man on the planet to somebody invites you back for lunch to the hardest, nastiest man on the planet to somebody who... Is now weeping. Having a breakdown in front of you. It's like this guy has is obviously suffering from a fairly severe mental illness and we are in deep trouble. Well, what they're going to say, what he says next is definitely going to surprise them. Verse, <laughs> and make them feel like they're in even more trouble again. Yeah. Verse 3 starts off with, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said to them again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to slavery, into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. There will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me here ahead of you to keep your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was that God sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what Joseph said, God has made me a master over all of the land of Egypt. So come down immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there is st- there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, look, you can see your for yourselves. You uh, And so can my brother Benjamin, that I am really Joseph. Go tell father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen and then bring my father here quickly weeping with joy he embraced benjamin and benjamin did the same then joseph kissed each one of his brothers and wept over them and after that they began to talk freely with him okay when joseph first says this let's put yourself in those shoes right now joseph first says he 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 kicks everybody out of the room he is incredibly emotional those brothers are thinking what on earth is going on Mm. This guy is so unstable. Mm. And uh, then he speaks their language. Mm. What goes through your head the moment they hear him speak their language? No interpreter. (laughs) Well. No interpreter. Well, I think uh, firstly, like, oh, man, he probably knew what we were saying in conversation. (laughs) But their language is an obscure language that they've brought with them all the way from Ur. Yeah, that's right. 
you know, this is not the language that everybody else speaks. It's probably related to it, but mm. it's not that language. It's, mm. it's their dialect. Mm. He speaks that and claims to be Joseph. Mm. They've never mentioned Joseph's name. Mm. No. So he speaks their language, makes this claim. It's a completely impossible claim. Mm. But what are you going to do with that claim? Mm. You know, you can sort of see them peering at Joseph. Uh, Hebrews wore beards. Mm. Egyptians wore no beards. Yeah. If they did wear a beard, it was a strap-on beard. <laughs> yeah, you know, one that they would tie on. Uh, Hebrews, they were farmers. Mm. Egyptians, he's part of the aristocracy. He's wearing, they wear makeup. Mm. They, they, they wear Egyptian clothing. They wear everything about, and you can kind of see them tr- like trying to figure out, is this, is, could it be, is this possibly, is, is that Joseph? Mm. And when they actually recognise those features and recognise this guy is not an Egyptian, this guy is our brother, he is the guy that we sold into slavery, now we understand why we've been treated so badly, Mm. now we understand why all of this has been set up against us and now he is the most powerful person in the world outside of Pharaoh. Yeah, that's right. We are done. Yeah. But then he's like, don't feel bad. Don't be angry. God has sent me here to preserve your life. Like, that is so wild. Like, oh, man, that that makes me shake. Like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, what we see here is the, the ultimate forgiveness, I think. Such restoration on all sides of the story coming out of Joseph, of his brothers. Oh, I, won't, I can't wait to get into this tomorrow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Time for some answers to our questions. Before we do, we've got a text message coming through here from Julia who says, I am, t- I too am tearing up from the story. Mm. I always get emotional from this one, and especially at the point where both Joseph and his father Jacob get to meet. Mm. You can't not be moved. Julia, you're running a little bit ahead of the story. <laughs> That's for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I read through the story before we went back on air because I was tearing up so that I could come back and not tear up and not sound gross when I was reading on air. <laughs> <laughs> and so that your voice wouldn't break while That's you were That's right. On I air. was like, because I, I was like, seriously, by the end of the, the, the section before the one we just did, I was like, like tears were starting to flow and I'm like, oh, I don't want to sound gross. Anyways, right now uh, we're going to get into some answers for the quiz questions. It was uh, moth, then 400 was the second answer, then barley, Ananias, and finally, Vineyard. So if you guys got those ones correct, congratulations. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day today very much relates to what we've been studying. It says, this is from Greg, and he asks, what... uh, Sorry. Does God test us like Joseph tested his brothers? No. Oh. The answer is no, and you might then say, "Okay, was what Joseph what was was what Joseph was doing unrighteous mm. because he was not being like God because God doesn't test us like that." 
No, Joseph wasn't being unrighteousness, unrighteous. What we need to stop and consider is the difference between tests that come from God and uh, the tests that Joseph was making right here. Joseph's motivation for the tests that he was putting his brothers to was to find out what kind of men they had become. Mm-hmm. He needed to know as prime minister as Pharaoh, but also as a brother and a, and, and a son to Jacob, he needed to know what kind of men are these men. Are they the same men that sold him into slavery or not? Mm. And so you can see him putting them to test after test after test and raising the bar a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher until he's almost begging them to sell Benjamin into slavery. Mm. And when he reaches the point where he's almost begging them to sell uh, Benjamin into slavery and they're like, no, we will go into slavery, then that really is the ultimate example of, all right, these guys are changed men. They are truly converted. Now, the reason that there's a difference is because his motivation is to find out. And the reason that he wants to find out is because he does not know. And the reason that he does not know is because he is not God. Mm. God never brings a test our way to find out something about us. Because God already knows us. And he already knows how we're going to respond. And he already knows whether we are converted or not. To human beings, this is something that is invisible. But to God, it is clearly visible. So he's never going to bring a test our way to find out whether whether we're faithful to him or not. That's never going to happen. He already knows that. He doesn't need that information. Okay, so what is the difference then? The difference Here's where the difference comes in. God knows this information. He doesn't need to find it out for himself. But there are times, such as in the story of Job, where the universe needs to find out. Mm. Because there's the, the, the sovereignty of God, the rulership of the universe is at stake because of the existence of Satan, who is, by definition, the accuser. That's his job, is to accuse, 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 accuse. His self-appointed job, he's mm. appointed himself that task, to be constantly accusing God. And the rest of the universe do not have the ability that God has. They are just like Joseph. They don't know. They can see what is on the outside, but they can't read the human heart. And so there are times when tests will come our way in the context of the great controversy as they happen to Job. Mm. But there are going to be times when tests are going to come our way that have absolutely nothing to do with the the context of the great controversy. They are simply coming our way because we are collateral in a great war, collateral damage in a great war that has been fought between Christ and Satan, and he cannot always intervene without messing with the outcome of that war. Mm. There are times when tests come our way and God allows them to come our way, not because he needs to find something out or demonstrate anything to the universe, but because we need those tests to become stronger. Mm. That's what we do with our children all the time. That's what God does with us. And so, yes, the testing that comes from God is different from the test that Joseph gave in those respects. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith. You'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Secure the
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.